Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. I am here with uh, Scott Merkin of MLB.com. He's a beat writer for the Chicago White Sox. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Zach. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks again for spending some time with me tonight. I really appreciate you making the time for me. It wasn't sure. necessary, but um, it was, um, again, a kind gesture on your behalf. So I, I'm, I'm sorry I had to delay it until uh, Michigan beat Iowa tonight. But... <laughs> But I'm glad Michigan won. It puts me in good spirits. Well, congratulations. I'm glad I'm glad you're in good spirits for this call. So. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You were saying you're an alum. I am. I am. I graduated in 19. Oh, my goodness. 1987. I was uh, a year after Jim Harbaugh. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's all right. So how are they looking this year? Uh, basketball. Basketball, they're great. They're number three in the country. Juwan Howard's done a great job with them. Another uh, Michigan alum. And wow. Uh, their their defense is amazing and they just they, you know you hope it's the regular season translates into the tournament too because they're playing great basketball right now it could be a fun tournament that's for sure there's, there's i think four big 10 teams in basketball uh michigan ohio state ugh, michigan state same feeling and u of i who and maybe even iowa because they have garza who could be final four caliber teams and there's gonzaga and baylor who are the two best teams in the country pretty much by you know i think michigan's up near them but those are the two best teams Nice. I like your WrestleMania shirt. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. You can get it. Get them in all. Get it all targets. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Here, here's a, a quick side note that we can go to baseball. I was at with a media credential WrestleMania two, the one that had ninety three thousand people at the Silverdome. Oh no way! My my good friend Johnny uh, Legaza, uh, who's um, a good friend of mine on Twitter. He's uh, also a fantasy baseball guy. He's Loves wrestling, big wrestling guy. So yeah, I was I there. Know, for I know him. he's going to be listening. So shout, shout out to him. It was the Andre Hulk Hogan main event. I was at that uh, at that WrestleMania. Oh, wow. that's, imp- that's impressive like that. stuff. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure the wrestling fans out there will be. Um, that's that's quite an, uh, an impressive impressive thing to put on your resume. <laughs> so, go. go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm ready for ba- ready for baseball. All right. So what's going on down there in Arizona? Um, we got um like. The news and notes I see that's going on, um, like what I heard, um, and this is a question from my uh, my buddy Jake. He's, he wants to know about C. So uh, we heard Grandel say something about him, and he's and he's throwing hard, um, and like you know he's you know he had his um, he had a top prospect pedigree. So what do you what do you make of that? Yeah, you know Grandel said that if they get him where they need to be, have him to be, you know I think that's with just approach and mechanics and everything else. I, you know, they, he, he has the ability to be a Cy Young, a Cy Young winner. He's that good. And, you know, I, I know he worked, I talked to him in the offseason. He's worked a lot with Ethan Katz, who's a new pitching coach. Don Cooper was the pitching coach here for 23, not here, but I mean, with the White Sox for 23 years. And they made a change this year. And Ethan got him working with this thing called the core velocity belt, which really focused on keeping his lower half solid, you know, like in line. And Lucas Giolito used that when he went from, a rough 2018 to one of the best pitchers in the American league the last uh, two seasons now. So it kind of helped them in the off season. And I, again, you know, you, you hear very few, it, it's, you know, kind of like um, someone having surgery and saying everything went well, you know, I mean, everything in spring training at the beginning until you see games, everything looks good. You know I mean? <laughs> and so, you know, I've heard guys look good and that's great. It's better than, you know, all they're really struggling, but I mean, we'll see what happens. And he, Dylan even said when he was on a uh, zoom with us the other day that, you know, he wants to see how hitters react before he, you know, goes great. But I mean, you know, he's, he's a guy that I think is being overlooked a little bit because you have three solid guys at the top of the rotation and Giolito, Dallas Keiko and Lance Lynn. 
And I think Dylan's kind of group with the younger crew with, you know, Ronaldo Lopez, Carlos Rodon, Michael Kopech, Garrett Crochet, that group. But I, you know, I think he's a pretty solid number four and it could be even higher if, you know, he continues to progress. So higher, like his ceiling is, um, I guess, um, obviously above Dallas Keuchel's because Dallas Keuchel's sort of like a low, um, a high floor guy. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think they don't need Dylan to be much more than kind of a middle of the rotation guy. But I mean, if he's more than that, it's, it's a, it's a huge boon. You know, what happened last year is they had a great season. They had a rough finish. And unfortunately for them, Dylan Cease and Dane Downing, who had pretty solid years overall, though Dylan was not completely happy with his year because he had so many free passes and hit batsmen. Um, they had kind of some of their worst stretch the last, those last two weeks of the year they finished. They were the first team to clinch a playoff spot in the American league. And then they finished two and eight. They lost one of the, they won one, they lost two or three in Cincinnati, lost all four in Cleveland, which really crushed them. And then lost two or three of the Cubs at the year. So, you know, instead of being like a two seed, they were a seven seed and went to Oakland and lost in three games there. But they didn't really have a solid third starter last year. They didn't, understandably, these guys are developing. So they didn't trust Dunning to go deep in game three or season. It ended up being, you know, nine pitchers they used. And Dunning was traded to Texas for Lance Lynn. Dunning's a great prospect. He's going to be a great pitcher. And I think Cease has that same kind of makeup, you know, probably even better stuff than Dunning overall. Oh yeah. I'd say the stuff is better. So um, you say that you said that it's going to be, um, it's, it's not going to be known how it really plays out until he starts like throwing to live hitters and stuff like that. It's all great, but right. is there something tangible that he's noticed? Like, is, is there, before that happens, is there, is there something tangible that he noticed that could translate? Yeah, I think he's talked a lot about fastball command. You know, he needs to command that pitch, and that's something that just would kind of disappear from him at times. I remember the, I think it was his second to last start against Cincy. He went through the first inning on like 11 pitches and nine strikes, and I think he struck out two guys, and I don't think he got through the third. He just completely lost his release, completely lost his location, and I think ended up like walking six and hitting one. I remember between him and Ross Detweiler, who I think is back with the Marlins now, I think the Reds had like at 1.7 runs on two hits. So, you know, it, it's just that kind of thing. He's looking for better consistency and really fastball commands at the heart of every pitcher. And that's what he's, you know, kind of looking at right now. Right on. So the road, like speaking of the rotation, um, actually, before I get to the rest of the rotation, are there any news and is there any other news and notes you can share with, with me that maybe not be, might not be mainstream news that everyone's um, seeing these days? Are you talking the team overall or pitching? Uh, yeah, no, the team overall. Well, you know, Yohan Moncada has not thrown from third base yet uh, defensively because he had some early camp soreness in his shoulder. And I think, you know, it's just precautionary. Tony La Russa told us today, you know, the White Sox manager, that he was told Moncada could start in Sunday's Cactus League opener or Monday for sure. So, he, you know, even though he hasn't thrown, he's getting close. And I think they're just being very safe. And then, you know, Jose Abreu is probably out until Monday with some, you know, uh, COVID protocol issues. Right. And um, aside from that, things are just kind of, you know, moving along, no injuries, just moving along day by day. And I think they're ready to, to start playing bad, bad basketball, start playing baseball. They got Michigan basketball, that's right. Uh, they, they would not. They would not beat Michigan basketball. That's for sure. Oh, the hands down. So I, I, I hadn't heard about the Moncada minor, minor injury, but I did. I, I did hear about it. Bring that's um, that's interesting to note. So you can never, you should never ignore those things completely. Oh, I agree. Um, I agree. In terms of the rotation, I think the top three are pretty, pretty solid, barring any unforeseen injuries. And then we talked about Cease. I think he's the clear number four at this point with upside. 
And then that number five spot, the guys that I have written down here are Copic, of course. Um, and then you have um, uh, Lopez. And then you have this guy, Stever. Like, I think we saw him last year. And he, he's, he's a decent prospect. And then there's Rodon. So right. Rodon's sort of a guy that, like, at this point, like, this is a fantasy-focused podcast. People are, to be, to be blunt, a little bit tired of him at this point. Uh, from, a, from a fantasy perspective, I still see there, there could be potential, but I wouldn't bank. I wouldn't bet on him over like at least one or two or three, three of those other guys. Yeah, I think uh, you made an interesting point on Stever. I think Stever's probably destined. I'm almost certain of the opening camp destined for the minors, but I mean, he's a guy who, you know, I think showed him something last year. I mean, it, it was kind of surprising that he was the guy called upon to make a couple starts, and you saw you know, some potential there, but he's still a little ways away. I think, you know, Rodon and Lopez are the main guys for the fifth spot right now. I think it's going to be Rodon to open the season. And then you have Kopech and one guy you didn't mention was Garrett Crochet, who was their top pick last year. Right. It was in the majors before he even went to a big league camp. He, you know, pitched six scoreless innings over five games. He was ranked second in the majors behind uh, Gratterall from the Dodgers. Most second, most pitches at hundred miles an hour above 45. And they're looking at both him and Kopech as kind of a, an amalgamation of roles. You know, they're going to they're gonna start, they're going to relieve. I think they're, they'll use the opener here and there. They may finish games, you know, even though they have, you know, one of the best closers in baseball, if not the best closer in baseball, Liam Hendricks, but they can use them for like the last three or four innings. So I, I think it's going to be very interesting. But, but for those who are looking long-term fantasy, the Sox project both of those guys, both Michael Kopech and Garrett Crochet to be starters eventually. So I, I had, I had um, crochet uh, written down under our bullpen um, uh, section. However, right. do you think he has any opportunity to start this year? He's a guy that's sort of, I don't know what to do with. He, he, he might be like that hater type guy um, right. in Milwaukee, like when Hater was first brought up. Um, do you see him making any, making any starts this year? Or is that yeah, I, I, because I think they want to do what's best to have this team win. You know, I mean, they did not bring Tony La Russa in as manager to make an incremental jump. They brought him in because they want to win this year, you know, win the whole thing. So having Crochet and Kopech in your bullpen helps you do that. But in the same sense, they want to help their development and get them stretched out so they could become starters as soon as next year. You know, if not in the second half of this year, who knows, but more likely next year. So, yeah, I think you'll see him get, you know, I don't know if you'll see him go six, seven innings, but right. I think you'll see him get started, you know, if there's the seven. Five? Like the five's a magic number for fantasy because you get that. Right, I know. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Or in seven inning games, it's four, right? Or yeah. five, still five for seven innings. You're right. You're right. Still five. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you can, uh, you know, he may get some of those starts. So who knows? Who knows how far they end up, you know, stretching them out. But yeah, I mean, there's going to be inning limits, innings limits on both of them. I think between the Sox and Tennessee last year, Crochet threw nine and a third innings. So there's, you know, still you know, you're not going to jump him to 180 this year or something. <laughs> no, absolutely and not. And Kopech, because of, you know, electing not to pitch last year, and then because of uh, recovering from Tommy John, he hasn't thrown in a game since 2018, a major league game since 2018. So, again, watching the innings, helping the team win, and developing them at the same time. That's the key points. Just talking about these three guys, Kopech, Cease, and um, Crochet, it just got me thinking, and I looked at, I was looking at this earlier. They throw hard, like um, – like well over 98, a lot of these, I think most of these guys, I think Cease averaged um, over 97 and a half last year. And I was looking at the players that averaged over 97 and a half last year. There's only a couple. It was DeGrom, Sixto Sanchez, Cease, and Alex Reyes. And then if you look at, and I also looked at over the last five years before that, who was throwing 
who, who averaged over any, any year who was throwing over 97 and a half the list is you can count on one hand. It's Frankie Montas, PEDs, Severino, Tommy John, Syndergaard, Tommy John, Alex Reyes, Tommy John, Nate Evaldi, Tommy John. So does that, uh, make you, does that make you nervous at all? I mean, not me so much, but I mean, I'm sure it's all factored into the equation, you know, when, when you're throwing that hard, but. And those, I, are, those are just starter though, by the way. So like crochet being in the bullpen, that wouldn't really. Well, and I think, you know, it's, right it's something that, it, yeah. Can you hear me? Yep. I can hear you. I, I think it's all, uh, you know, being factored in, in terms of monitoring their workload while trying to put the best team forward out there, you know, otherwise, you know, why would you waste innings having, if, if you think he can help you win, why would you have waste innings having him start in the minors, you know, as starting pitchers down there. So I, I think it's all being taken into consideration to try and build them up, build them up healthy and, but help the team win too. Right. And I, I, yeah. That's well, a well, good list. It's an interesting list with, uh, with that, with that average there. And Montes, it is. It's, it's all Sox it's, players. As a matter of fact, Montes came to the white Sox as uh part of the Jake PV trade. And I think he went to Oakland. I can't remember the trade. I must've been the Samarja trade. I think he went to Oakland. Right. Yeah. I guess it's, it's just interesting. It's really nothing more than conjecture at this point, but it's just, I, I thought it was an interesting list. I wouldn't really sure. draw any conclusions from it <laughs> uh, from a technical standpoint. Um, you did mention Moncada briefly. Um, I'm what he's from a fantasy perspective. He's sort of uh, a, a really interesting player because he did have a, have a phenomenal 2019 with fuel sure. by like a really high BABIP. And I think his batting average on shifts was just like out of this world, like one of the top 10 highest averages in the last decade. So that seemed a bit fortunate. Um, and then if you look at his other years, he never really had a batting average over 240. So what, what do you expect from him? this year like a word who do you think the real Moncada is is it the guy that did the music video or the <laughs> or, or is he a baseball player that's going to be a star i have to go back and watch that video but i've heard good things about it though people oh, said it's phenomenal. yeah i gotta go back and watch it that's <laughs> tremendous uh charismatic guy you know i mean uh when, when you get the chance to just talk to him and shoot the breeze with him he's an interesting interesting guy to talk to but he um you know i think you kind of throw out last year because unfortunately he tested positive for COVID in the intake process. One of the interesting things is he didn't have any like major symptoms, but yet it affected him the whole year. You know, that is interesting. I've talked to some people about it and, you know, Rick Hahn talked about it at their, um, they had a virtual town hall meeting the other day with uh, Jason Benetti and Len Casper, their broadcasters. And he was saying, you know, there were times where he'd, you know, go first to third and be gassed. And there were, and there were times, there's one game in Cleveland when they got swept, he scored from first, I think on an Abreu double, I think it was Abreu. And, you know, they weren't sure he could stay in the game. He was so wow. good. And, and this is a guy who is in phenomenal physical condition. This is not a guy who. I saw the music video. Yeah, there you go. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so it just goes to show you what an insidious illness this is and it affects everyone differently. But to move forward on that, he feels very good right now. And he said he's ready to play, you know, 162 game season. And I just think, you know, the, the raw talent is just too much to overlook. You know, I would trust this guy. Again, if he puts up what he had in 2019, I think that's perfectly fine with the White Sox. That's that's a you know, even if the average is a little lower, the on base is a little lower. What he did, if he's anything close to 2019, that'll work for this team. Right on. So if I had to give you an over under of um, 245 batting average, what would you if you had to if you had to choose? What would you for choose? Moncada? For Moncada, yeah, I would say over. Excellent, excellent. I would, say, I would say even if you gave me 275, I would say a little over. Wow. Wow. So he's going to be in the 280 or above range. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts? Like, what, what, what are you thinking when you, when you, when you say that, what, what do you, what, what sort of your thought process? 
I just saw a guy who kind of had a click for him in 2019. You know, he struck out a ton in 2018, obviously. Right. The uh, franchise record there. But also, always kept his confidence, you know. Always, you know, we talked to him a bunch about that. I know I talked to him a number of times. And he always just said, you know, it's a process. I know that it's going to take a little bit. I know it's not going to happen overnight. And then he, you know, took it upon himself that offseason to come to Arizona on his own. He worked with then-manager Ricky Renteria and then hitting coach Todd Steverson. That work was more aggressive in the strike zone, swinging the bat the next year, and had a great season. Now, again, I'm not guaranteeing he's going to be, you know, top five MVP or that he's going to hit 30 homers or steal 30 bases. capable of all three of those things. But I think he's you're going to see a closer – production assuming he's healthy you know in all phases not not right. after effects you're going to see a production closer to 19 than 20 from him or even 18 right the reason i i said the over under at 245 is because he had the 315 batting average in 2019 but his highest average in four other seasons granted they were partial seasons some of them right 235 so i felt that was a fair, no, that, fair that's part. a fair point no is yeah. that i mean you know as good as this team is projected to being there are some questions, you know, I mean, he's abundantly talented, but you make a good point. Luis Robert is ridiculously talented. You know, Tony LaRusso was telling us a story that Frank Thomas said he's a six tool player because he can take his ability up to another level. And at the end of August, he was probably one of the guys in consideration for American league MVP. And then he had a miserable September, but you know, young guys are going to go in that slump, right? He was 11 for 81 in September and then looked good in the playoffs and had a 487 foot home run against Oakland. So, but still, which guy, you know, I mean, is he going to be the guy who looked in so good in August or is he going to be closer to the guy who struggled so much in September? You know, and, you know, I mean, there's, there's questions to be answered, but on paper, it's a really good team and probably one of the best lineups in baseball. So in our, in our fantasy, speaking of Robert um, and it's, it's Robert, right? Robert. It's Robert. Okay. Yes. There's been confusion all over the place on that. So um, it would, it would seem better Robert, but it is, it is Robert. Absolutely. It's Robert. Okay. Good to know. Um, in our fantasy circle, there's a, there's a, there's a guy who's extremely smart and what he, and, he, and this is just a minor thing that he had mentioned. He, um, I think he's a really smart guy. And what he said about, is he, is he a Michigan fan? I don't know. All right. Well, if he's smart, he's gotta be, there's a good chance. I think he's from Kansas city or Missouri or something. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe Kansas or Missouri then. Yeah. So what he said was, um, that Robert, um, he had a diving catch in center field. Like, I guess like right before he started to slough, then he got hit. He got, he got hit by a pitch. Now I, lo- I looked at that diving catch. I don't know if you know what, which, which one I'm referring to. I definitely do. Adam angles, the catch where he, it was late in the game. It was a ridiculous catch. It's one of the best catches of the year. I think. Yeah. He's he diving. He was go- he was in center obviously. And he was diving towards right field. Yes. Yeah. And um, he said that like that. Just to add my- one more thing on that catch, Adam angle, who was playing right at the time said, and Adam Engel's a gold glove finalist in his career. He said that he let out an audible scream when he saw <laughs> catch because it was such a fantastic catch. All right, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no problem. So he was saying that like that uh, and combined with like, I think he got hit by a pitch might've triggered, like maybe he wasn't completely hundred percent after that in terms of his health, but I'm looking at Robert, R- Robert and I'm looking at him and he's Jack. And like, I, I play, like I play baseball. I can, really? if, I, if I did, if I made a catch like that, it didn't look sinister at all. Like it looked like, yeah, it was like he landed hard, but like if you're if you're built like Luis Robert, that's not gonna. I don't. I don't think that's gonna bother my. No, I didn't hear anything on that level. I I just think he started expanding the zone a little bit, and like a young guy, you know, an O for ten, trying to do too much mushrooms and O for twenty, and you just can't fight your way out of it for a little bit. And I think you know when he's controlled within the zone, he's a lot better. He, you know, his chase rate was a little bit too high. 
going out of the zone for pitches too much. And, you know, otherwise I, I don't think it was an injury. I think he was fine overall. Okay. So he, he was uh, the guy that I'm talking about, the guy that I'm referencing was speculating that maybe that his struggles were, um, were, um, were, I guess, um, started maybe started with um, that that catch and get the hit by pitch. I mean there I, could have been something that threw him up but nothing that we ever heard or he has talked about since though right on okay I just wanted to throw that out at you just while I'm talking to you um so batting average for him like are you are you thinking if I gave you 255 for Robert would you say over or under interesting I would probably say over I'd probably say over I, I you know he had one of the more remarkable minor league seasons you'll ever see in 2019. 2018, he was hurt and didn't do much in that season. And 2019, if, if you go back and look at those numbers, I mean, it's, it's just insane how good he was that year. It's insane. Put those numbers up against any season. It's, it's one of the better seasons you're going to see. I mean, I'm, I want to say he had like 30, some doubles, 30 home runs, hundred runs scored, hundred RBIs. I think he had like 18 triples, 40 stolen bases. It was, it was crazy. And I, yeah. I think, has the potential to be, you know, an MVP type guy too. So I, I'm going to say over, over, was it 265? I think I said 255. 255. I'm going to say over 255. Because yeah, like his projections, like the projection models that um, for fantasy baseball, they're, they range from 250 to 264. So yeah, I think, you know, and they're usually conservative. 265 to 280 is possible for him, you know, being that it's really his first full 162 game season, you know, he only played, uh, you know, he was in a 60 game season last year. So this is, you know, has to deal with the whole extra length of the season, but I, I still think you're going to see a good year from him. And, and, the, and this doesn't matter to fantasy people, but I mean, he'll never come out of the lineup because of the fact that even when he's struggling, he's so good defensively. He won the gold glove out there in center last year that he can do something with either his, you know, his defense or his legs. So he's always valuable to that team. Yeah. He's like a better version of Byron Buxton. There you go. Um, all right, so we talked Although about Buxton, Buxton had a nice year last year, though, right? Buxton hit. He did. He did. Didn't steal. Didn't steal no, I don't, I don't think he stole. I mean, barely. Hit more home runs than usual, though. I think, yeah. right? Yeah. Still is a great, still is a great defensive player out there. Oh yeah, and probably the fastest player in baseball, best best base dealer, um, from an efficiency from an efficiency standpoint. Um, let's talk about the bullpen just for a second. Like Hendricks, he's he is the top um, closer from a fantasy perspective. I know you have okay. other players that are more um, might have might have better stuff and might have might be a bit younger, like Edwin Diaz, Chapman, Josh Hader. But from a fantasy perspective, at least in my opinion, Hendricks is the top guy because um, his his statistics are amazing and his job is so secure. And his manager Larusa will just use him all yeah. the time. Yeah. So I guess there's not really any questions around that. I don't really want to, <laughs> there's nothing to ask with that because it's just a matter of just like, you just cross your fingers that he stays healthy. Um, uh, but who would be next in line? Because there's like, I think that the, the guy that everyone says here is bummer. Um, right. However, he's a lefty, but they're just the, the, the right, the white Sox just had so many good relievers last year. I don't know if it was a function of their division being like just facing their division because a lot of pitchers in the central were very, very good. Not just starters like the, like Bauer, um, like Bieber, Plezak, like there's so many. So right. Like, right. Keiko had an amazing year. There's just so many good starters, and like I guess maybe like the question is: Is it the chick? Is, was it the chicken or the egg? Like, is it the hitting bat or the pitching right. or a combination of both? Anyways, not to not to ramble on too much about my point, but just like the, you had so many guys in that bullpen that just had such good years. Like I think Cody How, Cody Howard, I don't know how to say it. Hewer, yeah, Hewer. You had. Um, I'm sorry, Hoyer. Hoyer, I think it's Brad. 
you had um, Marshall, I think, Evan Marshall, you had, well, of course, Matt Foster. Foster, they, they were all had amazing yeah. statistics. So um, it, I think from, if you're going to pick somebody to handcuff or like to, to put, to draft as your backup in these deep leagues, I, I wouldn't even know really where to start. Yeah, it's interesting. You, before we go on to that, it's interesting the central point because the central, I know the AL had three really good teams and then Detroit and Kansas City were not good and they should both be a little better, especially Kansas City. And then in the National League, there really were what, like four pretty good teams in that division, right? I mean, not overwhelmingly great, but solid in the Cubs, Reds, Cardinals, Brewers, and the Pirates were awful. So, I mean, you know, it, it, there was decent competition, but it is interesting to see, you know, now I kind of forget about that, that now they're going to be facing everyone. But I would say it's bummer is the next step, but don't overlook Hoyer. Hoyer is a the guy they really like. You know, they, they like his, his style and his, I think they like his, um, his attitude on the mound for lack of a better word, you know, and, and he's, you know, he's got Tony LaRusso said today, someone asked him about it. And he said, you know, I'd hate to face him and I'd hate to catch him. <laughs> he's, his stuff is just, is just great, you know, great stuff overall. So I, I think he could be in there. I mean, even crochet, you know, even crochet would be a, a candidate, but I think they're looking at him, you know, to, to build up his innings more. So I would think, you know, they're hoping Hendricks, obviously they put a lot of money Hendricks and you know, right. like you said, he's, they saw his power in the in the wild card series last year and beyond. And I, I would think Bummer has got to be Bummer's gonna be the primary setup guy. So Bummer would be the next guy in line as closer. Okay. That's that's what that's what the general consensus is, but I wanted to make sure right. because they there's a lot of there's a lot of great arms out there. Um before before I ask you uh, projected lineup, that's that's where I'm ending off um most of these segments, uh the projected batting order, because that's important to for fantasy but i want to ask you about prospects and the one guy is andrew vaughn we've seen what they've done with alloy and, and, and robert and um i think i think those are the only two right um there's just somebody oh mancata right mancata sure yeah, they, and, uh, they, they, aaron, aaron bummer and i mean he was already up crochet but, too and then rodon uh, they, they didn't waste their time on rodon either right and neither of them had long-term deals but i mean like they oh, i thought you're talking contractually like robert Jimenez. Yeah, I, I was. I was sort of talking about Robert, Robert and Jimenez had, you know, and Moncada. Moncada had played a little bit, but they all, you know, they, they Sox do a great job of locking these guys down early and getting, you know, getting the, the most out of them contractually, and, you know, buying out arbitration and maybe a year or two in free agency. Right. But so, what, 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 so my question is about Andrew Vaughn. Um, I, I'm expecting him up really early, if not right away. Um, that's, that's my a personal opinion, but I obviously don't know as much as you would. Yeah, I think he's, you know, we talked to Rick Hahn, who's a general manager a couple of days ago, and I think he's, he made it clear that he's in play, you know, that he's got a chance to break camp with this team and be the DH. I think it's an interesting challenge because we've talked to guys over time who've come in here to DH, like Adam Dunn, Adam LaRoche, who came from the National League where they played a position. And, you know, Dave told us, Adam Dunn was tremendous on this, where, you know, it's just, it's not as easy as it looks, you know, it, right. there's no defense to counterbalance if you go 0 for 5 with three strikeouts you know i mean you but we were talking to andrew vaughn the other day and i've talked to him a little bit on my own this spring training and he's viewing it as just another position you know not just as a guy who's going to take four bats he's viewing it as someone who's got to be into the game the whole time and understand that you know if you have a one bat at bat you have three or four more chances to make up for it they love his professional approach they love his fearlessness of the plate you know, every projection that I've, every person I've talked to that's projected out has said he's going to be a, you know, just a standout 30 home run type power guy, you know, on base guy, good RBI guy. So yeah, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't break camp with the team. I really would. Oh, that's, that's, um, that's a little bit of a bold statement. You'd be surprised if he didn't break camp, but I, I agree. Um, I, I, 
I think if I had to put money on it, I'd bet that he would break camp with the team. Be yeah. it, but if they do lock him down with the contract, there's still time, or they just let him play. So you think yes, he, either way. And I think if he's up, I think he, he, he's going to be playing almost every day. Yeah, and one of the good things is he when he gets in that lineup, he, does, he doesn't have to be anywhere close to the guy. You know, I mean, there's right. that lineup has got really no holes in it, one through nine. So you're not putting a guy up there and saying, you know, like a little bit, you're, you're talking about Toronto, or we're talking about Toronto, like kind of like when Vlad first came up, right? I mean, Vlad Jr., he was the guy, right? Yeah, and he was. Or he, did, wasn't, didn't kinda, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, and didn't kind of hit that spot. Andrew Vaughn is just going to, you know, if he ends up being a stand-up, that's great. But if he ends up being a contributor, that's fine too with this lineup. Right. So in, in speaking of a lineup, and this is the last thing that I have that I have on the agenda, is what, what do you think the lineup's going to be, I guess, in April? And I was going to ask you in July, but it might not be too different because um, in terms right. of prospects and stuff, I think if you're thinking Vaughn's up right away, um, I could, like, roster resource is something that um, is, a, is a tool that fantasy players use and that projects the lineups, but that's really a guy um, that's really taking an educated guess at it. He has Tim Anderson – um, or do, do you want to just tell me what you think? I can, or I can well, go, go ahead and go ahead and list off his off, and I'll, I'll yeah, go. It might, it might give you some sort of um, just give you the, gives you all the players that are in play and gets you to, gives you some time to think. Um, so they got they got Tim Anderson leading off, Eaton batting second, Grundell third, oh, Abreu fourth, Eloy fifth, Moncada sixth, Lewis Rob, Luis Robert seventh, then Collins as a DH, and then they have Madrigal ninth. Okay, I would think that you know Anderson is a lock at one, no question about that. We've already said that. I think. I think I think Madrigal is pretty much a lock at nine, and I think you know Eaton could be two. I think Moncada could be up in that two spot, and I think Abreu and Grandal could flip flop too. I think Abreu could be three and Grandal four. Okay. Jimenez five makes sense. Robert six makes sense, and then uh, who'd they have seven? Uh, let's see, seventh seventh was uh, Robert. Oh, so they had so six was six was Moncada. You're missing Eaton. Oh, okay. Eaton's yeah, I think Eaton, I think Eaton could be a two hitter. He could also be an eight hitter. You know, and kind of give you that mm-hmm. that speed at the bottom and giving more guys. You know, as you flip the line line up over again to drive in at that step. So I I think there's still some decisions to be made. If I would have had to pick before camp started, I would have gone Anderson, Moncada, Abreu, Grandal. That's four. Right. Jimenez. Robert, um, Vaughn, Vaughn, Eaton, Madrigal. Right. Like that, I think your lineup makes a lot of sense. Um, the only the, one thing that I've been saying, and I could, and you know, no one else is really saying this, so I'm probably wrong, but given all the talent in this lineup, like Eloy, Moncada, Robert, Vaughn, I could see Grandal moving down the lineup. Like a lot of people are drafting in fantasy, Grandal is one of the top catchers because. He's going to score a lot of runs and he's going to play a lot, but right. like given just, just not, not for not him doing anything bad, but just the rest of the lineup being so good. Like do, do I, no one else, no one else agrees with me. I don't think, but do you see him like getting moved down to maybe like sixth or seventh? I would think not any lower than five. I, I think, I, you know, eventually I could see if Jimenez hits like everyone expects and like he's done the first two years in the Sox, I could see him becoming a cleanup hitter or even hitting third, but I would think Randall would be no lower than five, you know, barring something completely unexpected. Right. And do you see any, like, do you see any uh, shot for Luis Robert to be up, like, in the top four of that order this year? Not at the start. Tony talked about that the other day and said, you know, he loves his talent, obviously, but he think you know, he's got to kind of earn his way up to the top. So I think they'll have him more, you know, middle to lower third of the order for the, for at least the first part of the season. But, you yeah, know, it seems like that number two is flexible. Like, sorry. 
everything is flexible. Everything's in play. You know, you never know when it's going to change. Just reading the tea leaves between what you said and your team, I think that number two spot could be up for grabs between like like Moncada, Luis Robert, or like Eaton. Eaton makes sense in there. Eaton too, but just like one of the young guys that are that are really talented. Sure. I see. I see. I see Robert's talent a little. I think I see like Robert and Moncada both very similar. They both they both have the strikeout element to their game. Like they do strike out a lot, but they're also super talented and they're five tool players, super athletics, fast, right. strong. I see Robert just like a little bit of a notch above Mankata. I don't know what, what your what your thoughts. Although Mankata's Mankata's plate coverage is a little better. Mankata's eye at the plate at this point is a little more advanced than Robert. Okay. You know, I think any team would take either one of them. They're they're right. both supremely talented. So I, I don't think you know there's not a huge difference. But yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, there's different strengths for each one of them, but they're both very good players. Right. So no, that's, I think that I think that lineup's helpful. I think that was really helpful um, going through where, where you expect them to hit. Um, and, pretty much in line with what my expectations were, but um, uh, you, you had a little, you had a, you had a little bit of a, a nugget or two that, sh- that um, was helpful in terms of s- saying who could hit, hit in that number two spot and, right. who, and who were the locks like Madrigal is not going to be moving up past that number nine spot. Like I don't see, you don't see him. Like, not right now. I with mean, that, with the rest of the options right. there, he's pretty much locked in. He's pretty much locked down there. He's another yeah. guy that's getting, that is getting drafted pretty highly. Um, in my opinion, with respect to like plate appearances are so important to compile these stats and the right RBIs. So for him, he really needs to, he, like for him to be, he's getting picked in the top 200 players overall for him to be getting picked there. He really needs to hit the ceiling or close to that ceiling in, in his average projections and his stolen bases. So what do you expect from him in terms of a batting average and how many like bases do you think they're going to steal? Like are, are the White Sox going to be a team that runs? Great, you know, great bat the ball skill for Madrigal. He hit 340 in his limited time last year. You know, I think there's a lot of focus on that he, I think his slugging percentage is like 370. So he, I think he had like four extra base hits and they were all doubles. So that's going to be something that he kind of grows into. But I think you nailed it on the head. You know, he's going to be a great defensive player, which doesn't really matter in fantasy. Right. But, you know, should be a 300 hitter for most of his career. If, you know, his past history is an example. And if they, we really haven't talked at all about, you know, are they going to run? What are the chances to run? But if he does, you know, he's one of the prime guys who can steal on that team. No question about it. So I think the question was asked uh, the other day, three, like I think one of the projections had him batting 320. Um, that's not really, I'd say, okay, over under 310. Wow. Um, I think probably a little under. I, I think he's, I think he's a 290 to 310 hitter pretty consistently. Okay. And, of course go up i don't think you're going to see it much past him that though because he's got good speed and he makes a lot of contact and i think good things happen when you can combine those two so i think he's going to be a pretty solid tuna and, and you know he's got skills that like aren't prevalent throughout that lineup even though he's not a high walk guy mm-hmm. you're going to see good things from him if he could only chip in like he would be so much more valuable if he can only chip in like 10 home runs right but i don't think he can do that I don't think that's his, but, but I, you know, I think, you know, it's one of those things where the power is going to come. It's just a question of how much will come when it does. Right. And then, but the, the ball being dead in might is not going to help that for him. That's true too. Yeah, that's true too. Um, and then stolen bases. I see him like over under 18. That's where I sort of put it at. Do you see more? I mean, it's just, it's so hard to tell. We really haven't gotten a feel at all from, you know, Larusa if, if it's going to be a okay. team. Guys have green lights to run, or if you know, because there's so much power in this lineup, just let it play that way. I think there'll be a mix. I, you know, I think he's an aggressive manager, so I think he'll do a little bit of both. Okay, that's that's good. That's good to hear. Um, 
So I think that's all I had. And one, 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 one other question that I've just thought of now that I might as well ask, it's a, it's a minor one, but um, Jonathan Lucroy. So he, I, I've heard that he's now like going to be the backup. Like he wanted to come in right. and play for La Russa. So I don't, who knows how much gas he has left in the tank, but is he, is he the number two catcher? I mean, nothing's officially been said, but I would think, you know, the reason he came to the team is he knew Jerry Naren, who's their catching coach. And Jerry Naren said, you know, La Russa likes veterans is looking for veterans. So I think that's pretty much all you need to know there is that, you know, he was catching Lucas Giolito today in the uh, live bull, but live VP. So I think he's going to be the number two behind, uh, behind Brando. Okay. Well, that's all I really had for you. I appreciate um, the time. Is there there anything else that you wanted to say or. um, No, I think, I think we covered pretty much everything. I think we, we pretty comprehensively there. Great. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and uh, you can find Scott at Scott Merkin, M E R K I N on Twitter. So give him a follow. He's um always um, posting great information and um, taking the time to talk to guys like me. So again, thanks very much. Thanks for having me, Zach. I appreciate it. All right. Take it easy.